Hey, dentisting friends, this is Dr. Nacho. I'm so excited to be doing the Dental Nacho Supreme CE coming up soon. It is going to be 24 hours of live streamed virtual CE brought to you on your couch when you watch live. It counts as live. Miss an episode. It's going to be up in the group for the entire year. To learn more about this awesome opportunity, reach out to us at dentalnachos.com or email supreme at dentalnachos.com. My number one amigo, Rob, is going to be one of the uh, presenters for the Dental Nacho Supreme. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be CE brought to you on your couch. Don't miss out. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be with you, Rob. Paul, it's good to see you. Uh, We're here in yet another socially distanced uh, episode. One day soon, amigo, dare to dream. We will be back in a together. Two human beings. Uh, We may even do a fist bump or get wild. Elbow bump, at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, elbow bump, fist bump. (laughs) That will be like our secret handshake. We could do like two fist bumps, an elbow bump, and a handshake, and like, you know, some like back jive on that. It's the post-pandemic greeting. Years from now, when people greet each other that way, they're going to know, oh, you lived through the pandemic, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They'll go back and they'll say like, you know, remember, like people used to shake hands. Yes, yeah, right. Wow, that's very interesting. I see there's a picture of, of a former uh, president yeah. shaking hands with another dignitary. You believe people used to shake hands? I know. I, I, I worry about that. The that they were spreading, you know, when they were doing that. Um but, uh, you know, so for now, you know, Zoom's going to have to do. Uh, I think, you know, I calculate before we came on, Paul, I think we're about 22 weeks oh, wow. yeah. into, our, into our thing. And as I said to my wife uh, last Friday, you know, like we used to count the weeks that we were kind of going through this and we, we stopped doing that a long time ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, here we are. And, you know, thankfully now um, most dentists are, uh, back in their in their practices now, and a lot of the conversations I feel like about PPE and state board orders and uh, PPP loans are no longer out there on on the agenda. But I feel like you know, in talking to clients and having discussions, we've ended up in this sort of like weird place. We're almost like in a no right now. Like, how did we get here? When did it end? And you know, uh, we'll obviously chat with, uh, with Frank uh, in, in a moment about, about all this. But as I said to him before we came on, I feel like almost like here we are. If somebody said, hey, you're going you're gonna to run a 20-mile race, they would say, okay, you know, that's a really long way to run. But after you run 15 miles, you know, hey, I got, I got five more miles to go. Um, but now I feel like people are saying, uh, just start to run. When am I going to stop? I'll let you know. Yeah. I know that eight more weeks I'm running, keep running. We'll let you know. It's a great way to put it. I, I feel this way as a practice owner, as a dentist, as a dad, all these things, you know, in, in looking at it from the beginning, it's definitely better than being fully closed. But for someone who's been doing this for 18 years, uh, you know, and, and 15 years owning a practice, 
it's just walking into your office is just so, so strange. And, you know, some of it feels normal. You get to see people face to face, but all the things that go into it, that using that run, that race is a, is a uh, good example. So I, I think it's a, an appropriate way to start this podcast that we're in this weird slog of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so uh, I feel the same way, obviously, uh, in, in my office, well, my office to the extent that doesn't really, it's not really a thing anymore. Um, there's nobody in my office right. working remotely, but my, my conversations with, uh, with dentists and, and my colleagues, and if you and I talked to the end of last week, you know, what's our podcast looking like on Tuesday? And uh, both agree that we need to get Frank King back sure. on pronto not not in two weeks we need frank now and so uh for those of you uh who didn't listen to frank's uh, first episode with us uh frank is a comedian uh and uh suicide prevention and postvention public speaker and trainer and was a writer for the tonight show for 20 years uh depression and suicide run in frank's family frank has thought about killing himself more times than he can count He's fought a lifetime battle with major depressive disorder and chronic suicidality and turned that long, dark journey of a soul into five TEDx talks and sharing his life-saving insights on mental health awareness with associations, businesses, corporations, and, and schools around the country. Uh, Frank is a motivational public speaker who uses his life lessons to start the conversation, giving people permission to give voice to their feelings and experiences surrounding depression and suicide and doing it by coming out as it were and standing in his truth and doing it with humor. Uh, Frank King believes that where there is humor, there is hope, where there is laughter, there is life, and that nobody dies laughing. Right person at the right time, with the right information can save a life. And uh, we've had the, the privilege of collaborating with, uh, with Frank, and I know you have even more so than me, yeah. I had the, the pleasure to uh, meet Frank uh, back in the day, Paul, when you remember you used to do those in I know, in person CE, I worry that that's going to be like that handshake thing. I really think about that a lot and how we're going to get back face-to-face with that. I think that's equally as important for dentists to see each other face-to-face and be in those same spaces. So yeah, Frank was an awesome contributor there. And we've also done the Kiko Keep It Kind Online Summit uh, over this pandemic, which was great. So he's just been a, a array of, uh, humor and hope during this time. Yeah, Frank's an awesome resource, and I'm lucky to have met him through you. And now, uh, without further ado, here's Frank King. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being back on the show. Well, I think it's important that we met today. I was telling Rob uh, offline that, interestingly enough, I was speaking to a new connection on LinkedIn last week, and he's in the construction business. We have a large construction company, hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts. And he said, Frank, you know, it's, it's interesting we got together this week because I've got a podcast a couple times a week. And he said, the strangest thing, suicide kept coming up over and over in the last three weeks. And it wasn't, I mean, occasionally it came up in the past, but we need you on. So I was on this podcast yesterday, same reason, is uh, Rob and I were talking like the running analogy. With 9-11, it happened on one day and we began to rebuild. You know, the uh, financial collapse in 08 or whatever took a little longer, but still, it was a beginning, a middle, and end. We began to recover. Uh, This, you know, there's the original wave, and are we in the second wave, or the tail end of the first wave, and the surge, and next season? So, again, the running analogy is great. Uh, We have no idea. I guess the uncertainty of it all. 
And ironically, I got a call about three weeks into the uh, social distancing, you know, physical distancing. A friend of mine called me. He goes, hey, man, you're in the mental health business, right? I go, yeah. Not the clinician, but what do you got going? He goes, well, I, you need to tell me what I have. I said, well, give me the symptoms. He goes, um, well, I have, I have um, can't eat, eat too much. Can't sleep, sleep too much. When I do go to bed, I don't want to get up. I all I'm going to drag myself to the shower and run a little watch. I just, you know, I, and I just feel down. I mean, is there a mental health name for that? I said, yeah, it's Tuesday. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you have mental illness, you wake up in an uncertain world every day. So, so what I discovered was I have a skill set that has sort of positioned me well to survive the pandemic. And I've been teaching it to in podcasts, webinars, radio interviews to relatively neurotypical people how to um, socially distance and stay sane in the process. I think that's great, Frank. I mean, this is, it's you know, such a, I mean, I, I've dealt with some traumatic things in my life that were very sudden and, you know, you kind of want your old life back. But then, you, like you said, something has happened where you need to move forward based on this event, but it doesn't drag on for, you know, now we're in a whole, you know, uh, Rob mentioned 22 weeks, we're getting close guys to a whole missed uh, six month recall of dentistry. And it's, you know, uh, a something we didn't foresee when we started. I mean, what Frank, you're talking with dentists and we're talking with dentists and Rob is uh, different clients. You know, when you feel that uncertainty as a business owner, are there any strategies that our listeners could use to, you know, hey, say, this is how it's supposed to feel, but I can get through the next day this way. Because we've had, and you were part of the Kiko Summit, some dental practice owners die by suicide over this time. And even though I know it's some, some of the things you've talked about before, what are the things that we can do for each other at, the t- at this time like that? Well, I was telling Rob off, offline that um, the way I survive all, of, all the time that I've survived with those illness is I, the overarching theme is I control the things I can control. And I've sort of, you know, it's like a 12-step thing. You have to let the rest of it go, uh, both personally and professionally. Uh, personally, I have a, what's called a self-care plan. You know, if you are the dentist and you have a practice and you have 12, 15 employees, you need to put your oxygen mask on first Yeah. before you begin to help your, you know, your 12, 15, how many of staff members you have, who, by the way, Rob and I were talking, are terrified. You know, they're, they're worried that they're going to they're gonna get infected at work. They're worried about the people that they go home to and perhaps would infect. In some households, there are two or three generations, you know, perhaps elderly parents. Um, they're concerned about their job. You know, if the practice is at 65% and you've got the same level of staffing, how long can this go on? I mean, can, you know, it may come a time when you have to cut staff. And so yeah. the the irony for dentists, I think, and veterinarians, by the way, um, suicide is not the big killer of veterinarians and dentists. It's stress uh, instigated or exacerbated mental and physical illness. So it was already a stressful business. You've already got student loans totaling three quarters, of, I mean, uh, 350000 $400,000, which leads to mental stress and physical stress. And now... You know, if you're operating, you're operating at a lower level. You still have the same nut every month. So, again, a perfect storm for dentists and veterinarians because it was stressful before. Now, Lord. Um, the self-care plan, let's talk about the, you know, the leader of the, the dentist who's in charge of this and practice of this. 
I recommend that they um, will do what I do. Um, diet, you know, watch what you're eating. It's, it's, yeah. it's often the case in a stressful situation that you eat to relieve stress. So you don't make the wisest food choices. So pick a diet that works for it. Diet and exercise. Again, one of the things that dentists were doing and veterinarians before the pandemic was coming in early, working through lunch, working late, probably not hitting the gym. Well, I'm sure that hasn't changed since the pandemic. So diet, exercise, a good night's sleep, uh, meditation. I meditate twice a day for about a half an hour afterwards with an MP3. And last but not least, medication. Rob and I were talking. I'm guessing that a lot of people who have never experienced depression are, as of this moment, experiencing what they call situational depression, just simply based on the situation. So if if you find yourself in that category, you believe you are, you know, you're feeling in a way that you haven't ever felt before, and this maybe this is depression, A, be evaluated, and B, if medication is indicated, um, I would give the DNA cheek swab test to figure out which antidepressant works best with your metabolism and take it short term until this thing is over. You know, just because you go on an antidepressant doesn't mean you're going to be on the rest of your life, but you may need something to get over the hump. Uh, I was saying, I like that, Frank, and I want to mention something to Rob. Last night, I gave a, a lecture to dental students about life after dentistry and developing. Rob and I talk about developing your team of advisors and Mark Costas called his board of directors, you know, and uh, I, I think it's important to develop more than your team of advisors, but your, your team of relier-ons, because I'll share authentically for me, I've never spent so much time with my family, which doesn't come with only all good, because you're used to... <laughs> You're used to exercising some mental, and your family's that too. They had enough of me. I mean, I actually would say, Frank, I like what you said, but as a dad who's busy and someone who's been athletic his whole life but doesn't always have time to do maybe when people say exercise or work out, I think of weights or a program, I just try to enhance my activity, take over 10,000 steps a day, yeah. get out and listen to a podcast. So I would say that's been very helpful to me. But, you know, people sort of keep – you know, I don't want to, the gaslighting is a popular term to use, but say, oh, look at you, Paul, you have all this time with your family, your family, your wife and your daughters. Well, that can come with a challenge because we're used to having a, a group of people that we interact in. So I encourage dentists to find some relier ons. I mean, because, you know, it's important to share your thoughts with people outside of the four or five people living in your home. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we, I'm doing a series of four books on men's mental health, sort of a chicken soup for the soul, 12 guys each. Yeah book. Each one has a different issue, bankruptcy, divorce, drug addiction. And in book two, which we're, uh, comes out next week, we talk about having a pit crew. The, the book is based lots of automobile metaphors because the brain is, there's, there's a lot of crossover uh, between the brain and automobile. For example, um, automobile, you need to have schedule maintenance. Oil chains, tires, rotated, fluid stopped off your brain. You need schedule maintenance on your brain. Uh, you also need to prepare for things going wrong. When you buy a car, you join AAA because you know someday it's going to break down. Same thing with your mental health. You need to prepare. And part of that preparation is you need a pit crew, people around you, not necessarily family, who know what you're going through, who when you reach out to them are not going to be judgmental. They're this, they're, they understand what you're going through and they're there to help. Uh, the problem for men oftentimes is women tend to collect friends throughout their lives. Men tend to drop them off throughout their lives. You know, young men, scouts, athletics, whatever, 
the military, but then as time goes on, they have fewer and fewer friends outside work. So Paul's exactly right. You need to expand your circle of friends to people who understand what you're, you know, as a dentist professional, what you're going through, and you can go to them and you can tell them honestly when they ask how you're doing, I'm wretchedly depressed. I have several friends I can say that to. It doesn't freak them out. They just ask me, you know, well, tell me what that's like. They don't make suggestions. You know, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. They're just there for me when I need them. So, Paul, you're exactly right. You need something outside that circle of, of family, especially, especially for men. And men tend not to reach out for help. It's called toxic masculinity because big boys don't cry. So It's a challenging time, though, for that. You know, it's certainly... You know, every, a lot of people are going through obviously the same the same problems, and it, it's it's a tricky time to uh, rekindle uh, friendships when you can't even be in the room with people. I'm not saying it's right. not, possible, but it's not easy, you know. And I think, um, uh, to me, what I I tell people is you just really need to understand how challenging this is, and if you're not, you know, knocking it out of the park as a as a, a parent. Uh, a colleague, a business owner, an employer right now, like th- that's okay. You know, like some days you're going to do a really good job and some days you're just not because Paul, you know, the theme to the show, right? Our show, all the things that you didn't learn in dental school, but wish you that you had. Um, I, I don't think, you know, kind of managing and leading a team of 15 absolutely scared people was, was on the, uh, the curriculum. <laughs> yeah. So sure. you are, they, you've got as, as a, a business owner and uh, you have a spouse, you have a family, you have a team and everybody's looking to you. And, and meanwhile, as Frank said, who, who are you looking to, to, to have those 30,000 foot conversations? And it's not, it's not an easy time. And, and I will tell you even personally, there's some days I'm like, well, I did a, did a good job managing my, my team remotely and, and motivating people and, you know, planning and being strategic. And other days I feel like, wow, I, I just didn't do a very good job today at that. You know, but I, I think I like that a lot, Robin. I mean, I, I said a lot of times, sometimes part of life is just surviving. As a dentist, we know in dental school, a lot of that was not about, it was about surviving, not thriving. Right. And that was not a great time. And, you know, it's, I use a lot of sports analogies, you know, with the NFL playoffs, you win and move on. Sometimes you just exist and move on, right? I mean, you don't have to judge yourself. I'm a big Gary Vee fan so dramatically each day. And, you know, just share some dental insight. And I'm sure this happens in the attorney world too, Rob, but especially with dentistry, we're always made to feel like what's wrong. This isn't good enough. And we can't sometimes just say, hey, this was a clinically acceptable day of life. This was a goodish day of life. We got through it. We should just celebrate that more. It doesn't mean you've lost all your standards. It doesn't mean you're not trying hard. What it just means is accepting that pandemic dentisting and the life is so challenging that you should just compliment yourself because sometimes you're the only one there to do it and you know, be kind to yourself and say, hey, you existed and moved on and that's all we can do right now. So I, I agree with you. It's crucial. And, and this is where, you know, Frank, I think dentists are, you know, it, it's harder for them because just by nature of what they do, thankfully, they are perfectionists. When they are working on somebody's mouth and working on their teeth, they are perfectionists. And, and, and that is what makes them great healthcare providers, right? We all appreciate that. However, you know, I, I have to imagine it's hard to make that shift from being a perfectionist clinically to trying to be a perfectionist in everything you do in your life. And it's just a really difficult time to be perfect. 
for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, to Paul's point, um, the you know you, the day was good enough. As a person with mental illness, there are some days when my only goal, not just for the day, my only goal in life is to get out of bed, put one foot in front of the other, get everything on my to-do list accomplished, so I can go back to bed and pull the covers over my head. That, that's my, I'm not thinking about tomorrow or, you know, uh, mapping out the next 10 weeks. All I want to do, and, and as Paul said, I consider if I scratch everything off my to-do list for that day, that's a victory. The problem I imagine for dentists is and other professionals, there was a set of metrics pre-COVID. And you could measure yourself on your success by this set of metrics. And in the throes of this pandemic, what are the metrics? I mean, how... How do you define, unless you, you know, like Paul said, you just accept it was a, you know, it was a, it was a good day in a pandemic and move on. What you, what, otherwise, what are the metrics? I mean, is 65% of previous gross income met? I mean, what's, what's good? What's excellent? How do you know? Well, and I think that's an interesting point too, Frank, and that kind of takes us over to another area that I want to cover is the importance of not comparing yourself to other people. Right. You know, I, you know, and I think this is where you know, social media comes into play in a negative way. And I think there are now social media can serve a role that is uh, meaningful in helping you connect with other people somewhat, but it can also be dangerous in looking and trying to compare yourself to other people that have different practices. They're in other parts of the country. It's really challenging. And I think that it's, it's important to, to really not pay too much attention to everything else that's going on. Like, and it's a weird to me, what I'm feeling right now, I'm thinking like we need to have this interaction. You need to have mentors and peers to help you and to support you. But by the same token, it, this is not the time to go out there and start worrying about things, as you said, Frank, that you have no control over, right? So it's like the classic stoicism here. This is the time <laughs> to become yeah. a stoic. And none of us, Certainly, the three of us, we cannot solve the COVID problem. We cannot create a vaccine. We cannot develop a governmental policy or response that's going to change it or make it better. We can't change what is happening with the education system and schools and what people are doing in this country right now. And so worrying about that on a regular basis, when your plate is already full of some really heavy duty stuff, I think is entirely counterproductive. And, and we were chatting before, Frank, this is where I think personally I've found in recent times, I just really need to check out of news coverage in the media. And I, I think that it's a very uh, damaging thing psychologically, at least for me personally, to, to, to follow that stuff and too much of the day by day blow by blow. There's nothing that's happening in within a 24-hour news cycle in COVID that's going to make a difference right now. I'm not a doctor. However, I'm pretty sure that there's I, nothing. I agree with you, Rob. But I want to add, though, and it's not that I'm not disagreeing, but let's say me, I'm the dad of a six-year-old. We're worried about, we're concerned about the school closing, right? It's like kind of us, I treat the news like weather. And if Rob and I are going to play golf tomorrow, I care a lot more on that Thursday if it's going to be sunny or not. If we're not playing golf, probably don't care if it rains. So I treat it like weather and I try to tune in and when it's going to affect what I'm going to do, like 
in Philadelphia, people are arguing on my own Facebook and wasting, to me, a lot of energy about the um, uh, school reopening, but I don't have any control over it at all. They haven't asked me once, you know, the superintendent. So I treat it like weather. You know, no one's, the, the governor, the president. So I treat it like weather. I'm going to have to react to this. I'm not going to control it. I'm going to acknowledge it, but I'm not going to sit there looking at every hour if it's sunny. So if that helps anyone, I just treat a lot of the news coverage like weather and try to, you know, be responsible about reacting to it. But be, you're, you're much better than, than many people. I mean, without, I don't even have to call names. I mean, I, can look and see how people respond on your Facebook group. And there's some people right. that do not treat it that way. And it is yeah, not that's true for them to, to, to bear, put themselves into the, into the crosshairs of what is just. A, and I've encouraged them. I like that. I've encouraged them to take a break, you know, yeah. take a break sometimes, you know, it's good to just take a break sports, a lot of things you take a break. So I think that's great insight. Uh, on how to deal with the break, news you know, with that. I, you know, we were chatting about that. I just, I, I feel strongly about that, that if you really, you can try to control your environment and worry about the things that you can, that you actually have control over. As Paul said, look, you know, obviously you can't just go and move in, especially if you're a dentist into a cabin in the woods and say, you know, I'll be out in six months when the coast is clear. But, you know, I think that it probably, most people would probably feel a little better if they weren't getting beaten over the head on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah I think the, um, I'm with Paul on the weather. We're at a point in the pandemic where we're not so much acting as we're simply reacting. Uh, $600 a week's going away. The eviction moratorium and the foreclosure moratorium is going away. So people now have to act based on that. Um, the PPP you know, program after August 8th, no more applications. So people have to have to have acted before that. So it's, it's not a lot of acting, it's more constantly reacting to stimuli. Um, again, beyond our control, but, you know, it's, it's things that we would not normally be thinking about that wouldn't really be involved in the business that we're having to react to on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, going back to what you were talking about a while ago, too, just having your own self-care plan, I think, is really, really important, too. And, you know, I think it, it's a time where, again, you've really want to try to stack the deck as much as possible. And this is you know, probably a, a good time to probably drink a little less, work out a little bit more, eat a little better. I mean, frankly, just from a disease control standpoint, it's not a bad time to be healthy, right? They're just yeah. going, but healthy physically, but healthy mentally. And it's, it's easy to, you know, and we're all guilty of this to say, you know, well, Things are really tough. Let me just have an extra drink tonight. You know, and I deserve it, right? Because I, I want to say something, though, Rob. I, I can never catch up. So first, you bring everybody on who gets on at, up at 5 a.m. I start getting up at 6 a.m. Now everybody's plant-based. I, so I saw Mark Costas post his plant-based uh, picture. I know, Frank, you are plant-based. I'll ask, since I didn't ask my nacho question, uh, in a, if I could ask you guys, what's something that you eat daily that you find to be healthy um, – in this plant-based world? Let's say maybe even a non-plant-based person would eat it. You know, is there, you know, I asked the nacho topping question, uh, I said, Frank and both of you, I'm assuming we're meat eaters. I've eaten many uh, meals with Rob where we had all kinds of stuff. So anything you could share with the audience in a fun plant-based way is something you eat daily that you think would make someone feel better. I think uh, I have coffee. Um, I do sort of a plant-based version of the keto diet. Nuts, nut butter. And then you can have something called Bulletproof Coffee. And 
you can you can put something called MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride oil. You can get it at Costco or whatever. You would use it like you would cream in coffee. So it's black coffee with MCT oil. So you get that that healthy, it's actually coconut oil, which is, you know, people say it's horrible for you, but it's not. So you get the you get a little kick from the caffeine and the fat from the MCT oil, it cuts your appetite. If you do that 20 minutes before a meal, you will end up eating less at that meal because your stomach recognizes the fat right away. Oh, we're eating. And then 20 minutes later, you begin to eat. So your body's ready to, so you won't eat as much because you 20 minutes earlier gave it a little bit of fat to deal with. That's, that's, I, and it actually tastes better than olive oil, better than cream. Um, MCT oil is, is my go-to when I'm, you know, to I keep like that. overeating, bold, stressing. Bulletproof coffee. Rob, any, any, uh, toppings on the plant-based menu to Yeah, uh, well, I'll give you two. One, because it's fresh. Uh, last night, we had some, uh, some friends over for dinner, uh, who's a, an old, uh, water polo teammate of mine uh, actually we used to play against each other in high school. And now we're, we're friends and uh, work out uh, when we're, when we're together. Uh, so he's gone plant-based. And so my wife made a great plant-based Mediterranean uh, spread with some chicken uh, for the, uh, for the non-plant basers and my daughter, 14 year old, who's an awesome baker uh, who usually yes. will things and say, I'm not making the vegan stuff. So you know what, if you're going to eat, you're going to eat what I make. But since there's a special occasion last night, she stuffed up and made delicious vegan chocolate chip cookies. Oh, nice. Um, oh. I was really grateful for that. And they were awesome. And she is a little bit too much of a perfectionist at this stage of her life. And she's like, well, they're not as good as the other one. I'm like, yes, they are. They're actually better. So my daughter's vegan chocolate chip cookies, I'll say is number one. And then, um, during the uh, pandemic here, we've been working remotely from South Jersey, which uh, for people around the country that have this sort of uh, preconceived notion of what New Jersey is, New Jersey is mostly farmland. So here we are in the summer where the, uh, the, the fruit and the produce is just delicious. So fresh fruit, blueberries um, and peaches and plums are, you know, totally delicious in this part of the world uh, this time of the year. So uh, I'm, I'm dialing into that. And I will say, Paul, before we were plant-based, we were very carb conscious when we were sort of drifting around trying to figure out what was the kind of the right, the right meal ticket for us. And for a couple of years, we kind of deprived ourselves of this just delicious summer, fresh, uh, locally grown fruit. And uh, I'm so happy to be off of that. And so that, that's nice. one of the ways I feel like I've been kinder to myself that I can now eat that stuff and enjoy it. And I'm not worried about the carbs. I feel you sharing that. And I think, you know, it goes with my everything that matters needs a system. Everything matters. You know, I saw Mark Costas mention this. I remember, Rob, when we were hanging out in the initial in your shift. But also, you know, you can't just – a lot of times you can get caught in junk food, right, doing changing you know, I remember back in the day, it was this low fat stuff, but people were eating these snack well cookies, which had way more calories. It was bad. It'd like be someone saying to Rob, my restrictive covenant's two miles. Isn't that good, Rob? And say, well, it, you got to look at these other parts of the contract where you're not going to be paid indemnification. So I think it's really helpful to see kind of this full picture if you're going to make a shift. And, you know, uh, I admire you guys for doing that. Mary and I have tried to make some some improvements. We haven't, you know, not in that world totally, but she, she could do it, I think. So maybe one day I'll be getting up early at 5 a.m., drinking blue, bulletproof coffee and having a plum for fun. So that's my new life. No, just, just kidding. 
And then I will then I will know I've succeeded. Paul. Yes, exactly. Put you over to the to, to the cult. Yeah, nice. Thanks, thanks, guys. Uh, we should probably talk about if you have staff, you know, your team members. I think it's important that the business owner or owners are more transparent than would normally be the case. You don't want to give them, you know, overload them with information. But I think it's important because they're they're already nervous, frightened about the germs and probably concerned about their jobs. And so it, to be as, as clear as you can with them about the short-term and long-term. Uh, Google announced that I think a large percentage of their employees will not be going back to the Google building until June 1st, which I would find comforting if I were one of those employees because now I can settle in. And I'm not wondering week to week when we're going to be yeah. moving back into the building. Okay. All right. June 1st. Great. Okay. Well, it's kind of like uh, the race. Okay. 20 miles. Great. Okay. I can live with it. So I think you should be as clear as you can with your staff, mm. you know, as clear as possible without overloading them. And also I would encourage the staff because they're anxious, you know, um, angry about people who don't wear a mask, uh, you know, concerned about uh, people that they infect or might affect them. I would um, encourage them with a self-care plan as well. And one of the things I do in my self-care plan is I advocate for myself. I advocate on my physical health. When, when the thing broke out, I sent a note to my doctor through the portal at the, you know, at the, with the health insurance said, look, I've got heart issues. What extra do I have to do to protect myself from COVID? And within 24 hours, I got an email back. You need to do these things. So you have to advocate for yourself physically and then mentally. You know, I talked to somebody about, okay, now I'm a little concerned about my mental health during this thing. You know, help me with some tips on, you know, on surviving this. And then financially, a lot of people are strapped and they tend to hide their heads in the sand. But I would recommend they advocate for themselves with the cable, the electricity, the water, the trash, all the credit cards and mortgage. Reach out to those, you know, vendors because pretty much all the way across the board, they've got a plan to help people who can't make payments as, as long as you reach out to them. So mentally ill people are taught over and over, you need to advocate for yourself. If you are in trouble, you have to reach out. So I think that's, that's something to encourage the staff to do is to reach out and advocate for themselves to bring down that level of tension, at least in those areas. Yeah, I think that's just about having authentic conversations. I mean, it fits with dentistry too, Rob. And I see people, Rob, reporting to me who, who that same financial strapness could be their practice. The practice is the person. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of success in life, people don't want to admit it, but we had Todd Fleischman, my good friend on, who said he was very, he had good timing and he was lucky when he bought his practice. And some of the timing where this has happened to practice owners is more challenging than others. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in the middle of my career, maybe I, I don't have a, a lot of practice debt. Uh, and you know, this affects me differently than someone new. So advocating for yourself and reaching out to people, have you found that? I mean, we've been echoing that comment since day one, Rob, pretty much of this entire thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and what I'm wondering too, Frank, you know, as, as a leader and, you know, with, uh, with friends or with your team, I know we talked about this the last time you were in, you were on the show, but what should, uh, what should people be looking for for signs that they need to encourage their uh, their friends, family members, or their team members to get more help? That you know, and, and I guess you know, come right out. You know, when 
when should somebody be stepping in to say, hey, you know, this person may be going down the wrong, the wrong path yeah, and fearful that they, that they may fear suicide. Like, how do you, you know, because I don't feel like we could talk about this too much, right? So when, what, what should people be looking for and what do you do? Again, here we are. Uh, this is another thing that you did not learn in dental school, Paul, <laughs> but especially at this time, as what, what are you looking for with your staff? And, and then what do you tell them if you think that they are exhibiting these, uh, these signs? Yes, and I wish I could do this keynote at, at the uh, parent-student weekend at the opening of every dental school year. You know, where the parents and the students are together and you, you teach them this together. So they both know what to look for, uh, whether they're a parent or a student. Um, with team members, a really big red flag is they have trouble making it to work on time, but tend to rally in the afternoon. That's a, a sign they may be living with depression because they're having trouble getting themselves out of bed. Uh, another obvious one is personal hygiene. You've got a staff member, team member, who's normally well put together. And their clothes aren't quite as clean, and you know the hair looks like they haven't washed it in a couple of days. So they're dragging themselves to work, but they're letting their personal hygiene go. Um, when we had social activities, they would be withdrawn from social activities. They used to take a great deal of joy, whether it was a, a club of some kind or athletics or or you know or whatever it was. Um, I would say that. If you walk by somebody and you think yourself depression, you may have been picking up signs and symptoms you were unaware of. It's called your adaptive subconscious. You know, it's 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 recording all the time, and, and you eventually walk by them and think to yourself, I wonder, wait, why did I think depression when I walked? Go with your gut and ask, are you are you depressed? Um, and if I were a business owner, and I learned this from a company in Iowa, they made an SOP, Standard Operating Procedures. If somebody says to you, hey, are you, are you depressed? The thing that should come out of the person who was asked, mouth first, is, first of all, thank you ever so much for asking. Because it takes the, um, the anticipated pain out of it for the person who is asking and worried if they're going to get harshed on for asking. So, you know, thank you very much for caring and asking. No, we got a new baby. I've been up three nights. Nothing's wrong beyond that. But it, it gives the person who's worried about it license to ask and not have to worry about getting a hammered for bringing it up, if that makes sense. Those are great tips. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I just use an example that Rob and I live all the time. I get, you know, intake from people now on Facebook. Where Does this make sense in this, in this contract? And, this? and I say, well, you need to talk to your dental lawyer and their team. This is what they do every day. So I'm going to ask you, Frank, if someone does this, you know, and is either courageous enough or helpful enough, or it's me. And I say, where would you send someone to? If you said, Hey, you know, you should do this. I don't know. I mean, I have like collections, you know, I know Mary's friend is a psychologist, but I feel like I don't really have a great system for saying you could talk to this person or reach out to this service. What's a good suggestion there? Well, what I've been doing with the Seattle Study Club groups is like when I was in Seattle speaking, I went to Google, typed in mental health services or free mental health services or low-cost mental health services, King County. And I got a list of mental health services from the Cadillac kind of plan where you got to have great insurance and there's a big fat copay. 
all the way down to, um, you know, based on a sliding scale, depending on your income, to free. And I suggested to the, to the uh, clinicians, make a copy, you know, create a copy of this list of resources from you've got insurance all the way down to free, put it in a white envelope. And if you suspect a team member or a, a patient is struggling, you know, you patient comes in, they're not quite as put together as they were the last time you saw them. And you look in their mouth and they've been really diligent in the past about their dental hygiene, but you can tell not flossing as much, not, you know, that's an indication. Perhaps they're depressed. So if you suspect that, and let's say they say, yes, they are living with depression, then I would just quietly hand them the white envelope of resources. And here I think is the most important. Wait a day or so, call them back. Say, hey, I was concerned. Um, when you were in here the other day, just call and check up on you, make sure you're okay, and ask you if you, you know, had any questions about the resources I gave you. It's great advice. I mean, Rob, we lived, you know, startups, you know, contact the Jamie Amos, the least contact the Brian Mann. This is really like a, a life, you know, referral that you really, as you said, when you started, Frank, can save someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably this is another instance where don't feel like you need to be the expert with this. Right. Uh, it's, uh, you, you don't have to be the one that, that helps walk them through this necessarily. I mean, if you have to, I guess you can, but uh, you want to try to get them over to somebody that, that's qualified to, uh, to, to handle and help these people. Uh, it may not be something that's within your, your skill set. You certainly can try to provide them with all the resources, but I'm thinking it's probably not the thing to try to, try to DIY. Uh, right. Yeah, because, you know, oftentimes I imagine a dentist, a doctor suspects something. But they often don't ask because they're afraid of what the answer might be. Let's say the patient says, yes, I'm depressed and I'm having thoughts of suicide. Now, if you don't have a way to refer them or uh, a list of resources for them uh, so that you don't ask the question because you have no idea what you're going to say or do if they say, yes, I'm depressed and I'm having thoughts of suicide. If you have your resources, you know, you have them handy and very quietly so nobody else knows then you've got a place to go. And all you're really doing is not therapy at that point. You're just planting seeds of hope. Hand, hand in the envelope is saying there is help out there. You know, there's hope. And then, like I said, follow up in a day or so. You know, just, just check in and see how they're doing. Yeah, That's great. I mean, it's just, you know, just people hearing this. And I hope, you know, so many people do listen to this here. It's just going to help someone. Because we've all been in those scenarios in our life where you just feel sometimes it's easier not to say anything because you just don't have any of the training. That's what you're doing, Frank. You're giving people the training and the resources to, to have these, you know, challenging conversations. And you're on the clock in a practice. I mean, you have so much time, you know, between with, with patients. I mean, you, you know, you, you're moving patients through all day long. And if for some reason they said they were depressed and suicidal and you don't have a go-to, you don't have a, then... You don't really want to cut them loose. Um, then if it takes longer than the average appointment, then you you know you begin to get backed up everywhere else. And so, yeah, it's always, I think, the preparation. Be ready for that. Ask the question and be ready with a referral. I like that. Yeah, that's really helpful. Frank, It's uh, as always, it's, it's awesome to have you on, uh, on the show. Uh, is there anything that are resources that you want our listeners to be aware of that we could you know, they can listen to now or we can put in the show notes. Yes, actually. Um, there's an outfit called the National Alliance Mental Illness, NAMI. 
N-A-M-I, NAMI, National Alliance of Mothers. They offer a wide variety of services, peer counseling, family family counseling, classes on mental illness. And everything they do is free. And there's there's at least, there's probably a NAMI office in every large county in the country. Okay. Uh, the second thing is there's a great class called um, Mental Health First Aid. You type in mental health first aid, you'll find a website, put in your zip code, select a radius within 25 miles of me, and you'll find every mental health first aid class that they're offering. It's an eight-hour class, uh, sort of a mental illness 101, where they start with depression, bipolar, schizoaffective disorder, work their way uh, through suicidality, and then into um, non-lethal self-harm, cutting, biting, burning, that kind of thing. They give you a binder with all the information in there, you know, signs, symptoms, resources. And it's usually either $0 to take class. I think the most I've ever heard anybody charge was $25 to take class. And they have a youth class, you know, mental health first aid for youth, mental health first aid for adults, because it's a little different depending on the age group. Uh, It's a great organization. It's a great way to school yourself. And like I said, they give you a binder. So if you think somebody is depressed, you open up the binder, you look down the symptoms for depression, you go, son of a gun. That's like the top three. And then below that, okay, now what do you do? What do you say? What do you do? What don't you say? What don't you do? And where are the resources? So it's, and I bet you within within 25 miles where you guys are sitting, there's probably a class or two or three every month. Awesome. Thanks for that, Frank. Really appreciate it. Well, and, and just uh, briefly too, Frank, just uh, tell our listeners about the project with the books that you were telling us about and. uh, during the show here. Oh, yes. Oh, and before I get to that, by the way, we were talking about, you know, asking about depression, thoughts of suicide. Here's why you should feel less shy about asking. Eight out of 10 people who are considering suicide are ambivalent. They want somebody to ask. And nine out of 10 people who are circling up on a suicide give hints, verbal, nonverbal, behavioral, direct, indirect, in the week leading up to it. So nine out of 10 people want you to pick up on the hint and want you to say something. So that's, that's the good news. You can make a difference. You can save a life and you can do it by simply starting the conversation with that person. Now, eight out of 10 people who die by suicide in the U.S. every year are men. And so my co-authors and I realized there were very few books on men's mental health. So we created a four book series, sort of chicken soup for the tortured man's soul kind of a thing, where it's 12 stories, 12 men. Each one has a different issue. We asked men what kind of help they want from whom and how. And they said we want advice from real men having real problems and how they are really coping. So that's what each story is about. Life's good, life turns bad, here's how I'm coping. And there's lots of exercises and clinical information and resources in the book. And uh, and I voiced it. I've got I got awesome. the first copy, first volume up on Audible. Um, and if people want to go to my website, you can download the whole the MP3 of the unabridged for free. And what's the best website for people just to reach out to you directly, Frank? The Mental Health Comedian, thementalhealthcomedian.com, and that book is there as a free download. Great. Awesome, Frank. Thanks so much. Frank, we'll get that. Everybody, uh, listeners, will get that up on the uh, on our show notes and. 
take advantage of uh, these resources. Frank's uh, a great guy, and it's not a humorous subject, but Frank is a very funny guy, and uh, and it's uh, it makes it uh, it makes it a little uh, a little easier to to absorb for sure. And I'll offer one more thing: if you put my phone number in the share notes, I tell people if you're suicidal, call the lifeline. If you're just having a really bad day, call a crazy person, and then I put my number up on the screen because. I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to listen. And, you know, people call. That's super generous of you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening, as always. Uh, Thank you, Paul. It's good to see you and look forward to seeing you again soon. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.